Hey, this is Military Mike Madsen, Chief Warrant Officer 2, and today you're listening to the Boondoggle Podcast. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to this intro before the intro of our today's Boondoggle Radio Show. Uh, as you know, we're a veteran-owned and operated podcast, and this has been an incredibly therapeutic journey for me as a veteran that struggles with PTSD and anxiety, just getting out and talking to people. But uh, it does cost us some money, so if you feel so obliged to donate to our GoFundMe, we have a GoFundMe under Today's Boondoggle. We also have a Venmo at Today's Boondoggle that you can donate to, uh, our Anchor Sponsorship at anchor.fm forward slash today's boondoggle uh, any questions comments suggestions complaints you can email us at today's boondoggle at gmail.com and please follow us on our social media sites at, uh, at today's boondoggle on instagram facebook twitter all your uh, social media platforms as well as our youtube channel our rumble channel and our bitshoot channel please follow subscribe comment and download and please consider checking out our sponsors if you uh, support our sponsor dream nutrition you can receive 10 percent off your order by using the promo code boondog10 at checkout so dream nutrition they're a veteran owned and operated company as well so please support them and receive 10 percent off using the promo code boondog10 thanks for your time and thanks for listening going on everybody it's bill bailey with today's boondoggle and a uh, real quick housekeeping note if you're watching us on youtube or rumble or uh bit shoot or odyssey please hit that follow and subscribe button and if you're listening to us on spotify uh apple google any of those podcast platforms please hit that follow and subscribe button so uh we can continue to bring you the conversations like the one i'm about to bring you today talking with uh, retired Chief Petty Officer Joe Lynn Pike, my shipmate. How are you doing? Great. <laughs> <laughs> Retirement is lovely. <laughs> uh, it is. It is. I agree. I agree. You know, I find other hobbies like this podcast to keep me, yeah. keep me active, you know. But uh, yeah, we'll get into all that with, with what you've been uh, 
what you're currently up to and stuff. But usually when I have people on the first time, I like to get the background. So, uh, like, uh, where did you uh, grow up at? I grew up here in Harrodsburg, Kentucky. And uh, do you remember originally as a little girl what you originally wanted to be when you grew up? Uh, rich. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really don't remember what I uh, aspired to be other than, I don't know. I don't remember. Probably nothing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I figure, you know, you know, maybe like a princess or, you know, all that stuff that, you know. No, I, I don't remember anything like that. But uh, and I certainly never dreamed I would ever join the Navy. That was never a thought in my mind until my mother sent that recruiter to my house and he woke me up from my nap. <laughs> <laughs> and of course I opened the door and there's a really tall fella standing there in a dark uniform, uh, kind of intimidating looking actually. And uh, he said, your mother sent me to see you. Okay. So it wasn't like a, uh, you know, like there was no calling originally for you that you wanted to serve. It just kind of came knocking at your door. Literally. So, okay, come on in and we'll talk about it. And uh, the next day we went to Louisville. I did the medical, the testing, anything I needed to do to get in. Exactly seven days after the day I met him, I was in Orlando, Florida, starting boot camp. Oh, wow. It, no time wasted, huh? Shoot, no. I was afraid I'd get in trouble that week, so I just wanted to get there quick. <laughs> so, yeah, so then, you know, it kind of came knocking at your door, kind of uh, motivating to uh, get you get you to serve. But as, uh, as boot camp, uh, as you went through the boot camp process, like, uh, you know, what, what, changes did you start noticing and like what was uh um some of the oddest things that you may have witnessed or experienced during your time in well uh had to learn how to eat really fast <laughs> <laughs> i was at the end of the line every time we went to the chow hall so the 20 minutes would start i believe when the first person walked through the door so me being at the end of the line i might have got 10 minutes or something like that to eat. So I started learning how to eat really fast. So uh, that didn't work out very well for me because that caused me to gain a bunch of weight in boot camp, believe it or not. <laughs> and yeah, I remember my, picking that habit up myself and then it's hard to like uh, shut it down all these years later. <laughs> yeah. So my company commander said, she actually noticed it and said, I need to put you on the pudge squad. So she talked me into uh, trying out for the flag team that we had there in Orlando. But in order to be on that flag team, you had to pass the eight-week physical fitness test that week. Yeah. Oh, my God. I never – that was the hardest thing I ever did. And I couldn't walk for days after that. <laughs> I'd, I'd never run or done sit-ups or push-ups or any of those uh, – physical activities, you know, a little bit here and there in school, but not like that. No. It was on after that. I stayed active like that after that. That pain was almost unbearable. 
yeah. And then you realize like, okay, well, I actually got to do this regularly. So uh, I don't feel that pain anymore. It's that first transitioning like that, uh, crushing the, the, the piece of coal and making the diamond, you know? Yeah. It definitely became a very important part of my life after that. Yeah, for sure. And then after boot camp, where did you, uh, where was your first duty station? Uh, well, I had a stopover in Millington, Tennessee for a little bit of training. And then I ended up in Pensacola, Florida. I worked for a squadron there right next to the Blue Angels. And uh, VT-86 Saberhawks was the name of our squadron. Oh, nice. And then, uh, so were you raided out of boot camp then? No, I had to work for it. Okay. Well, when and I that- first got to Pensacola, I really... Uh, I really didn't know what I wanted to do. So I uh, did a little work in corrosion control thinking I would be a structural mechanic. Those chemicals didn't work well with me. So then I started going to the weather station to try to be, I can't remember what that rating was called now, but I was gonna go that route. And eventually I ended up in admin. Uh, So that's how I became a yeoman. (laughs) Nice. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, I, I, you sent me a lot of really cool bullet points, but, uh, you know, about your, your career, but you know, what, uh, would you say is like during your whole experience in the Navy coming from the civilian world, like what are, what are some of the oddest things you may have witnessed or experienced? Well, I can give you a lot of examples from when I was stationed in the Philippines. Hmm. I probably ought to leave that out. Uh, (laughs) Not, not me, but you know, the Philippines was a great duty station for me. And my first time overseas anywhere, it was kind of terrifying at first, but um, once I got settled in, it was great. And I learned that uh, some about some things about some of the, interesting food they would eat over there like dogs and monkeys and lizards and you know things like that (laughs) so i had to really be careful uh with any of the vendors out on the street make sure they were selling something legit and we had a list of places that we were okay to go to Uh, yeah and then i had to live out in town for almost a year while i waited on the list for base housing Now, that was interesting because uh, the electricity would go out every day during the afternoon. So you couldn't store food in your refrigerator. You had to go to the grocery store literally every day. And um, if you wanted milk or anything cold, uh, it would come on in the evenings, but not very good. It would be like a brownout in the evening most of the time. The the electricity wasn't great over there, but eventually I ended up on base and that was nice. And uh, base housing there was incredible. It was beautiful. Uh, kind of makes you appreciate what we take for granted over here. You know? It really did. But uh, fortunately for me, the uh, everything over there was super cheap. So I had a live-in maid and they uh, hand washed all the laundry for me because there there were no washers and dryers. Wow. Except on base. And it, I, it was either lug your stuff on base every time you wanted to do laundry or just pay somebody $5 a week to do it for you. I chose, <laughs> I t- took that option. 
Now, what caught my eye about, uh, you know, when you mentioned serving over in uh, the Philippines, um, well, like first, like your, what duty station were you a part of and, and like what was your job uh, over there? Subic Bay. I was stationed at Naval Station Subic Bay. <clears throat> and my job there was I was the captain's mast yeoman. And uh, I worked in the discipline department. Uh, we took care of all the court martials and NJPs and uh, administrative separations, legal hold, everything to do with discipline was uh, taken care of in the office where I worked. Gotcha. And then, you know, you had mentioned in, in what you sent me to that uh, you were down, uh, you know, there stationed there during a, a very interesting time in history yeah uh, you want to share a little bit about that i was uh stationed there at the time when ferdinand and imelda marcos got kicked out of the country boom gone uh a female uh by the name of corazon aquino took over as president and that was i don't think very many of them like the idea of have a woman president but they got over it i think uh and I was there at the time, later on, another year after that, they had a strike. Uh, civilian workers on the base went on strike. And the gates were shut down for two weeks. Uh, they wisely, for on their behalf, they started that strike at, on Friday afternoon. Because by that time, anybody was out for their weekend liberty was off the base. So when they went on strike Friday night, Everybody that was off base was off base for two weeks. They ran out of money. They they had no way to buy food or get a hotel or get back on the base. It was uh, this pretty bad for a lot of people for a couple of weeks because you know you're stranded for two weeks in a foreign country, literally. And fortunately for me, that was my duty weekend, so I was on the base. No. So. There was only a third of the people, uh, they estimated only a third of the military uh, were, was on the base at that time. And like, what was the reasoning behind the strike? Well, for pay and benefits and things like that. And then there were the uh, the ladies of the night out in town that were getting a little irritated with that because it was interfering with their business. <laughs> So the they didn't have any money. <laughs> they, uh, I wasn't out there to see it, but I heard a lot of uh, people talking about they, uh, they had their own little strike going on during that time. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And then, um, you know, where we ended up connecting, you know, uh, well, like first, like, so that was one of your, uh, I guess, major duty stations overseas. And then you kind of came, you came home and then you did take like a little bit break from the military. It a little break. Well, after the Philippines, I was in Kingsville, Texas for almost three years. Then I got out of the Navy. A 14 and a half year break in service. Mm -hmm. I went back in the Navy in 2004 as a reservist. And did 10 more years and was able to get my retirement. So you, how, how much did, time did you have before you took that 14-year break? 10 years and 23 days. 
And then you took that break. You were like, I believe you said you were a second class. When I got out, I was a second class. Now, at that time, as a yeoman, uh, making first class was pretty much impossible. Yeah. Uh, we literally looked at the obituaries. <laughs> <laughs> we did. We were, okay, well, there's another one. So now there's an opening. <laughs> but it, everything was really super tight as far as advancement then. But uh, ten year, uh, 14 and a half years later, when I went back into the reserves, uh, I went back in as a YN3, which is E4. And I actually moved up in rank fairly quickly as a reservist. Yeah, that was, that was incredible. So when we were, uh, when we met, we were uh, in Kuwait, Camp yep. Eric John. We got deployed with the same, uh, same group. Like we were just talking before we went on air. We just had our little reunion yep. about a month or so ago. And, uh, but uh, you were, did you, you made first class there or you were a first class when we got there? Uh, well, I did, uh, a deployment to Kuwait in 06, two years before that. I made second class on that deployment. On my third, on my sec, uh, on the first deployment, on the second deployment with uh, you guys is when I made first class two years later. And uh, I made chief in 2012. Okay. Yeah. That's when I retired was 2012. So I ended up making first on, on the, the same one that you did then when we were at in AJ. Um, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, so you, you know, for somebody that, you know, kind of like got strong armed into joining the military, you did make the best out of it. And, you know, I mean, there's like myself, I never, you know, I wasn't able to make chief. I, uh, I mean, the option was there, but I kind of came, my circumstances were different when I came home and became a single dad. I kind of had to choose like, you know, re-enlist, make chief and deploy again, or, you know, stay home and uh, be a dad, you know, and uh, I chose that option. But uh, yeah, 2012 is when I retired. But uh, yeah, a lot of people don't, you know, that that's, that's quite a career to make chief. That's, uh, you know, good way to, to end it for somebody that, you know, originally <laughs> had to knock on the door. So what would you say during your time in like, you know, what kind of change from uh, your perspective on, on service to country and all that? Well, as a teenager, if I hadn't joined the Navy, I was absolutely starting to head down that path of destruction. And uh, that's the reason my mother sent that recruiter to see me. So that changed, changed my life for the better by far. I was able to get a career, get disciplined, get physically fit. And I would like to say I got a little smarter too. <laughs> <laughs> but I would tell you that the first time I was in the military versus the second time I was in the military, things had changed so much as far as um, the respect and uh, the attitude. You know, when I was in the Navy the first time, there was People were respectful. They had manners. The chain of command was important. And there were there was no backtalk. On that second go around, there was a lot of crybabies, a lot of whining. I don't want to go here. I don't want to go there. And a lot of cursing and disrespect. So unfortunately, those things had changed 
quite a bit, but I mean, not everybody was like that, but there were some. Yeah. Uh, but fortunately for me, I worked in the in, a, in an area where I had a lot of great people around me. And uh, yeah, I saw and, that change happening too, you know, and like that's why it was like another reason why I was like, yeah, it's time to go. You know, when we're not doing the hands-on uh, training, you know, everything's behind a computer. How are you really ready for any kind of like, you know, combat type situation, you know? Right. Yeah. I spent a lot of time at a computer while I was employed. And uh, I seen when, uh, you know, after it seemed like after 9-11, they were just trying to fill up, you know, numbers. They didn't care about the quality of people they were bringing in, it seemed like, during that time. Yeah, and I guess they're even more desperate now than they were then. Yeah, so it's sad, but uh, I mean, I, I, you know, I know I can look back though with you know similar like you, you know, it's like I know if I wouldn't have went in, I was headed down a you know not a good not a good path, and even even when I was in, I managed to bunk <laughs> a bunch of stuff up too, you know, at some points, but. Uh, but well, I'm grateful if for been in the, the Philippines when I was, then we probably would have met. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> but then, um, like, looking back, like, uh, what would you say is some of the, uh, you know, uh, without breaking like OPSEC, what, what would you say is like one of the worst places you served? I don't, gosh, that's a hard one. Uh, well, the, I would have to say that the worst places I've ever been to was actually during my uh, annual training, my two weeks. I spent two weeks in Mozambique, and that was pretty awful. Scary for me, but... Uh, there was some an incident that occurred while I was on that annual training that was pretty scary. Uh, three of us from my reserve unit went over there to uh, make arrangements for a, there was a, a Navy ship that was gonna pull into that port there. Only the second time in history there was ever a ship there. Um, so we had to set up the logistics and, you know, find them, uh, places to fuel up, order some food, that kind of thing. And then when they pulled in, they uh, came off the ship and we did a lot of uh, community service. We went to a little girl's orphanage. We went to a school to plant trees. And some of the sailors on the ship had a soccer game again uh, with some of the local uh, guys. And, uh, but one night while those guys were on the ship. They wanted to take a van to where the hotel was where I was staying because the Wi-Fi was really good there. On their way from the ship to the hotel, they got robbed at gunpoint. Mm. And uh, it turns out those fellows that robbed them were actually police officers. Oh, wow. <laughs> so after that, the rest of that annual training, everybody was basically restricted to their quarters. And uh, that's how that one went. And uh, that little girl's orphanage was probably the saddest thing I ever saw in my life. It was 
heart-wrenching. Yeah. And knowing the kind of future those girls were going to have eventually when they got too old to be there, just I don't even like even think about that. Yeah. But so. that was that was probably I mean it was a uh had its good things about it too, but <clears throat> overall I think for me that was the uh worst place I've ever been as far as Secure, feeling secure and safe, and all that kind of stuff. I felt uh, I would had more fear there than I ever had anywhere in the Middle East. Yeah, I was in Kuwait twice, and I was in the United Arab Emirates for several months in 2009 with a boat unit. And uh, the only time I was ever scared for my life was during that two weeks in Mozambique. Gotcha. And then, where would you say was one of the your favorite places you got to surf? actually loved the Philippines an awful lot. Yeah. Yeah, that was a, it was a beautiful place. You know, right there at the, at the front gate was, you know, bars and restaurants and ladies of the night just all over the place. But once you got away from that, it was beautiful there. Tropical, the food, I mean, everything was really, and that was the nicest space I've ever been. And it's unfortunate that it's not there anymore. It was really a, a nice base. Uh, in 91, that base was uh, closed because of the volcano that erupted in, uh, I remember what year that was. I wasn't there at the time. I'm thinking it was 1991, but I don't, I think that's what it was. Gotcha. All, all the bases closed over there because of the volcano. And then, um, so, you know, uh, throughout your time there, like you said, you got to retire chief petty officer, uh, learned quite a bit about yourself, um, you know, uh, from, you know, from the beginning through that whole process and learned a lot about, uh, you know, um, what we have here to, I guess, what we can appreciate, what people take for granted, the things that we really have here that we can appreciate. But uh, what is like one pet peeve you have today with like uh, civilians since transitioning out of the military? Well, I live in a small town. <laughs> so everything you do here, everybody knows it. That, uh, that kind of irritates me a little bit. But I mean, it's a good little town. And uh, I don't know. That's my pet peeve for here in my hometown, I guess. But uh, other than that, it's great being here. And uh, I don't know. I think uh, the worst thing about these days, obviously, are the whole politics. And I don't like for that conversation to happen in my house or anywhere around me. It's too stressful. Yeah. Too much division, you know, when we're not looking at what, what we have in common and what we should appreciate what brings us together, you know? Yeah. And then um, what is something that you always carry with you from your time of service? Uh, pride. I think that uh, I'm very proud of what I've done, what I've accomplished the career I was able to get because of the Navy, 
um, uh, that career helped me to get a really good civilian career as well, and uh, which was which is at the police department here in my hometown. I was the uh, records maintenance person for the police department here in Harrodsburg for 28 years. And this is come to think of it, there's a really big uh, pet peeve with that as well, and that's the way people treat police. And, you know, I am there every day or was until I retired and I see what they dealt with. I knew what they dealt with. And, you know, people hear parts of the story. They don't know the whole story and they like to make judgment. Yeah. Or the media, you know, pushes up, rushes them to a, you know, yeah. a judgment without even being there. Yeah. that It's a great police department with some great officers that work there and, and, Obviously, now the uh, with everything that's going on in the world, her, uh, hiring somebody, a good quality officer these days is um, next to impossible because uh, basically nobody wants to be a police officer much anymore. No. And that was like, you know, that used to be like when I when I would talk to people, uh, I, mean, I asked that question earlier, what do you want to be when you grew up or originally what do you want to be? And a lot of them, policemen, firefighters, yeah. you know, stuff like that. And. You know, it seems like those dreams are few and far between because of the stigma that has been cast upon. Yeah. Uh, when I started at the police department in 1993, anytime we would hire officers, there would be a first thing would be a written test. And we had to rent uh, a place in town to have that written test because there would be so many that would show up. We would run out of seats. Well, at the time that I retired, anytime we had a written test, I don't know, there might be seven or eight, mm. maybe, or uh, in some cases, one would show up to uh, show interest and we would just make an appointment for him to come there and sit in the office and take his test. The interest is not like it used to be. No. Same with the fire department. Yeah, it's sad. It's sad, you yeah. know, our first responders and our military seem to be, you know, uh, yeah. struggling to get people, struggling yeah. to get good people, good people. Yeah, exactly. Now, on a, on a cheerier note, can you recall, like, what's one of the funniest stories that you feel you can share from your time in service? <laughs> oh, God. Uh, get out, Duke. My dog is uh, going to start barking here any minute now. Uh, well, when I was in 2009, when I was getting ready for my uh, deployment with the boat unit, I uh, had to go uh, to Camp Pendleton to qualify on firearm. And uh, we were uh, training on the nine, uh, nine millimeter and uh we, they had to spread out, you know, in a row, you know how they do. And we're all shooting at the same time. Well, the guy that was next to me, one of his shells ended up going down in my shirt. So <laughs> I was, uh, I had, hot. <laughs> yeah. So I bent forward so that casing would, uh, be next to my shirt and not my skin. And the firearms instructor comes running up to me, waving his arms, 
And God, you couldn't get away with this now for anything. But he kept saying, don't burn the puppies. Don't burn the puppies. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I could not believe he was saying that. (laughs) It was funny, but it was very uh, inappropriate at the same time. (laughs) That's the first thing that comes to mind, I guess, when you asked me for a funny story was that. And like you said, we couldn't get away with that kind of stuff today, but uh, <laughs> that was just our military humor back then, you know? Yeah, well. We, we were a little thicker skin, even with yeah. hot casings on against us. Oh, <laughs> that could have been pretty bad, but yeah. um, I, uh, my last shot on that qualification, I always would uh, score expert, but that last shot on that uh, went into the uh, – bottom of the paper because I had to bend forward to keep that shell casing from getting on my skin. So my last round went to the bottom of the paper. <laughs> but I kept pointing my uh, weapon downrange just like I was supposed to. Yeah. <laughs> safety was still, you know, paramount. <laughs> yeah. Now, uh, you know, we kind of briefly touched about, you know, the, uh, you know, the, the conditions or, or, you know, what, what's going on in our country today, but what is, uh, what is one of your greatest hopes for the country that you've been willing to give your life for? For everyone to be kind to each other and stop all this horrible, uh, you know, you can make a mountain out of a molehill now and over the least little thing, and people just need to get over themselves and learn to live and leave each other alone. Be kind to everybody. Amen. And then, um, you know, we talked a little bit about, you know, like, um, I mean, even with like the police and why, you know, what the police deal with today. And, you know, we know what our military has, has dealt with and, uh, you know, the troubles with getting people to, you know, to sign up or, or want to, you know, volunteer for something like that, or just have that sense of duty anymore. But, um, you know, we know like the struggles that all of them face, what do you think we can do about the, to break the stigma of uh, mental health and PTSD? Just more awareness, a more awareness of, uh, how people behave around you and how their uh, changes in their personality could be a clue as to something going wrong with them in their life. Just pay attention. Yeah. Maybe talk about it more, you know, exactly. Make it so it's not like a dirty, like, you know, shameful secret or something. We all have struggles, you know, and if you need help, get it. That's the thing. Yeah. Amen. It doesn't make you less of a person if you get help. It really doesn't. I've been having that conversation with uh, someone close to me recently too. You know, it's just like, I, I, I just saw my therapist yesterday. I see a therapist regularly, you know, and it's just like, it's helped me tremendously. This doing this podcast has helped me with my anxiety and my struggles, you know, just to get me out of myself, you know, and, uh, talking with others, you know, and just, uh, you know, serving, helping still even retired. Like, uh, um, you're, you're retired now from the Navy. You said you're also retired from the police force and, uh, you stay pretty active, uh, 
though, yeah. with uh, volunteer work and stuff. You want to talk a little bit about that? Yes, I do. Uh, after I retired from the police department, uh, my son tells me, uh, comes over to my house to quote some statistics to me about people who retire. And he said, you know, mom, you've got to find some activities or hobbies or something like that because statistics show that when you retire and become inactive, you'll probably die sooner. And he's pretty blunt. <laughs> so, well, there was really no problem with that because, you know, as soon as I retired and I always said I was going to do this and I did, I started volunteering at a Christian, what's called a Christian life center. It's a thrift store and a food pantry and similar to a Goodwill. But the difference is we literally help people that walk in and ask for it. Uh, volunteer there every week. Um, for several years, I've had a Relay for Life team, so I do a lot of fundraising for the American Cancer Society and do pretty well at that. COVID was, COVID really put a hurt on it, but, you know, we're bouncing back. And uh, I do a lot for the VFW here in Harrodsburg. We've had some fundraisers. I personally helped them raise uh, Somewhere between fifteen and twenty thousand dollars. I don't know the exact number, and we didn't start keeping track of it till a few months after I started. But uh, we were taking donations of anything anybody wanted to clear out of their home. They were bringing it to me, and I was posting everything on Facebook on a yard sale page and trying to sell all these things to uh, help the VFW raise money. And that went from posting things on there to starting to do live auctions. And in two or three hours, I could sell enough stuff to raise anywhere from three to $500 uh, each week. And eventually we were able to get all the repairs we needed in our building. And then after I hit a certain goal, then I basically said, okay, I'm done. The rest of you guys can start having your own fundraisers. <laughs> yeah. Now, you know, speaking of that, cause I, 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 believe you you had mentioned too that uh you're a life member of the vfw yeah and uh life member. yeah as, as am i here at uh you know uh the one by me in cleveland but uh you know i've noticed uh there seems to be you know i mean people need to realize especially the you know uh, the younger generation, the importance of like the VFW and the American legions and what they do for veterans. And, um, you know, I notice, it, you know, it's, it's more uh, the old timers and the, you know, like, like just getting people to, to sign up today, the younger crowd isn't signing up and, uh, you know, um, just realizing the importance of, you know, what, you know, you don't have to like dedicate all your time and run volunteer things like like you you do, but just be a member. You know, sign up. You know, pay monthly dues or whatever because every little bit helps to keep it afloat. We need it because if we have nobody advocating for us, then when you need it, there's not going to be anybody there. And it seems like uh, the younger generation isn't getting that. It. It's not just hanging out at the bar for cheap drinks and telling war stories. You know, there's so much more yeah. to you know, being a member of the VFW or, or the American Legion. And uh, maybe you can add to that. Yeah, that's the perception a lot of the younger people have about the VFW. They think it's 
just a bunch of old men sitting around a bar drinking beer and smoking because that's what our grandfathers did. Yeah. Uh, and our fathers, you know, they they did that. And uh, all the World War Two guys are the ones that started all these uh, VFWs. They started the one in my hometown. They started it in 1946. And my grandfather was one of the first uh, original members of our VFW post here. And that's exactly what they did. And years later, um, we almost uh, had to shut the doors at one point because maybe three people would show up to our meetings. But mm. we we worked hard. We got the building back in shape and we became a member of the Chamber of Commerce here. So they've been very helpful as far as getting the word out to other new people that move here, that there is a VFW here in Harrodsburg. So our membership is picking up, but still, it's the older veteran. Um, I would, we don't have any young veterans there at all. We have Vietnam, uh, Korean, maybe a couple of Korean War veterans, uh, at least one World War II veteran that's still hanging in there, even though we don't see him anymore. Um, but the uh, military people from the most recent uh, campaigns, they're just not interested in joining the VFW and because of that stigma. Yeah. Like, I'm, are, you know, I got sober after our deployment to, uh, to Kuwait, you know, and, uh, you know, I got 14 years sober now. So I'm like, well, what do I, you know, originally I was kind of like one of those guys when I first got sober, I'm like, I had my neighbors talking to me, some Vietnam vets, hey, you should join our post. And I'm like, I don't I don't drink, you know, well, it's not just hanging out and drinking. And I, they convinced me I went up. I'm glad I did. I ended up joining the post. Uh, I still like to eat. And they have, uh, you know, uh, like especially like Army, Navy uh, game. There's a big spread up there. And we all go on there and just like bust each other's chops, you know, and <laughs> and uh, there's all kinds of. Uh, you know, events that I can participate in, you know, I don't have to be up there drinking and I can still like do the, the poppies and all that stuff. And, oh yeah. And, uh, one post, uh, where in the, in the city where I grew up at, I like what they did and cause they have a younger crowd there, but they, and I, and I, you know, if any other VFW posts are, are listening, this might be a good, uh, business model to recruit the younger ones. Um, they ended up hiring bartenders outside of the post, younger ladies, you know, and hmm. <laughs> the old guys really appreciate looking at that. And so do the young guys. So, you know, I mean, if you are a drinker, you know, I'm sure if you're getting yeah. your, your drink served, it, it helps. <laughs> yeah. Well, our VFW, we, we don't have a canteen or a bar. There is a bar in the building from years gone by, but it's been inactive for a long time. We don't have a liquor license or gambling license or anything like that. But we're trying to get back to where we can at least have something at least two, one or two nights a week. Yeah. O open it up a couple of nights a week, maybe do a BYOB kind of deal or something like that. But, um, and maybe do a poker run or something like that. But, uh, we are actually in the process of joining up with our local American Legion post because they have the same kind of issues that we have. 
So they're having issues getting members for that as well. And uh, some of us are going to set a booth up at a local festival here next month and have a membership drive. So hopefully we'll be able to get some more members and talk to some veterans maybe that are passing by our booth and uh, try to get some interest that way. Gotcha. If yeah. we could get if we could get one youngster in our VFW post, then I feel like more would follow. Oh yeah, get one that you know, and he'll spread the word. You know. Yeah, and but, uh, we're we know that the younger veterans they're more about uh, the cell phones and the TV, you know, video games and things like that. So we're going to try to get a big screen TV or two. Uh, get Wi-Fi there so they can come there and do computer games or they get like a USO lounge almost, you know, something like that. Yeah. yeah. But, but we're uh, trying to get it where it's going to be a place that any veteran would want to go. Yeah. And not and, just you know, a VFW member. I'm not just a, you know, I, I'm not as, as active, you know, I'm not, you know, there all the time myself either, but you know, I'm a life member. I paid, paid my, the, the dues, you know, and, uh, and I, I, and, uh, when I can, I, I help out and I just, I encourage all veterans out there, just sign up, you know, I, I, I belong, you know, I pay my, my Legion fees every, uh, every year. And, um, I hardly go to the Legion either. Occasionally, like, you know, I've had, I had my daughter's graduation party there, you know, um, couple of years back and then we just i just went there for the fourth of july because uh where where our legion post is is stationed that it's stationed on a lake that that's the lake where the city has the fireworks so where they on the other side of the lake is where all like the civilians and the you know the the festival rides and all that stuff go on and where everybody's and i get to go to my legion and just hang out in the parking lot and they grill burgers and and watch the fireworks, you know, with, yeah. with the vets, you know, and that's probably the only, you know, one of the few times a year I, I go, but I keep my dues paid just, just for that to help out, you know, and I encourage other, the young veterans to stay involved. I get the magazine sent at the house. I hardly read them, but you know. <laughs> yeah, I, we I, have, we have a lot of veterans that are at our post that uh, have some connections to people at the VA and have, can offer advice or send somebody, you know, give them a phone number or anything they need, you know, yeah. if they're having a hard time signing up for benefits or anything like that. We do have some people there that can help with that. Yeah, processing claims and all that. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. we definitely have people there, you know, just need somebody to talk to. And, you know, if uh, we have a veteran that's uh, under the weather for whatever reason, then another veteran will go there and mow their yard or, you know, take out their trash or anything like that. Veterans yeah. helping veterans. Yep. And yeah, that's what it's about. So hopefully uh, any of the younger guys out there listening that have served, man, I, I highly encourage, you know, it's not like a huge time commitment, you know, but, you know, pay your dues, stay, stay connected because you never know, you know, when you'll be that veteran, you know, right. But um <laughs> You know, um, one other thing that one of the other reasons why I wanted to have you on is you shared with us is, uh, you know, not just your volunteer service and your 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 Navy career, but uh, 
looks like you're still uh, looking to, to serve in a big way there in your city, uh, running for mayor. Uh, you want to share about what, what helped you decide you wanted to do that? And, uh, you know. Well, in the, the first three weeks in this new term with our most recent elected mayor, he resigned three weeks into the year because he moved into the county. Then they, uh, so far this year, we've had six temporary mayors. And now there's going to be a special election this year in November. So uh, three of us have actually filed to run for that office. And the reason I started it to begin with was because I was determined to find a way to uh, help the police and firemen, you know, with their benefits and try to get them back on the hazardous duty retirement, which they haven't had for years here. But fortunately, the mayor that the most recent mayor we had was able to make that happen. Uh, but, you know, my just the community itself, I just love this little town. I just want to see it grow and uh, it, it needs help. There's a lot of uh, issues here in our hometown and it needs help. And somebody has to be willing to, to do the research, do the legwork, make the phone calls and try to get, you know, get those grants yeah. and things that we need to get our sidewalks and roads fixed, houses. You know, some of the elderly people have have houses that are uh, near near. Uh, they just look like they're going to fall down any minute now. And there are grants and things like that that can help these people. And uh, we just need to have a mayor here that's going to stay around for a while. Yeah, what do you think the reason is that they, you know, the the last one like left so soon? Because he got a job offer offer <laughs> <laughs> that paid more than the mayor's salary. Uh so uh can't blame him for that. Yeah. So each time we have one resign, then one of the commissioners takes over for uh as interim mayor until they can appoint somebody. So they recently appointed someone else and this new appointee makes number six that we've had this year. But you're in it for the long haul. You're 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 in it Definitely. to help your community and 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 you were born there, raised there, and you want to retire there right. again. And I've I've proven to myself and everybody else that you know when I commit myself to something, I see it through. Twenty eight years at the police department, you know, and. Uh, eventually uh, was able to finish the 20 years I needed to get the retirement in the Navy. So, you know, when I make my mind up to do something, I do it well. Yeah. And you've already proven your volunteer work for within the community, helping, uh, you know, uh, the veterans community and the uh, first responder community and your concerns for the, the older citizens there. Um, yeah. you There's know? no activities for our youth here. There's nothing. And even if the youth here want to play sports, it's gotten so expensive to participate in baseball or football or anything, or even the band. The, it's outrageous. And they do these fundraisers here and there. But, you know, if you want to buy a bag of 
popcorn for 20 bucks to help them with their fundraiser. That's just really hard for them to get people yeah. to do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But, um, you know, I'll give you I, I, the city that I, I currently live in. Um, uh, our mayor is uh, Navy, uh, former CB. I had actually served with him and, uh, you know, helped with his campaign and stuff. And, you know, it's just somebody that it, he, he, you know, he knows what service to country and community is all about. And we've seen a lot of positive changes here in the community since he's been mayor. In fact, this weekend we're having our like annual like home days festival. So I'm going to be, I'll be hanging out with him and many of my community members at the, uh, you know, the festival tonight. And then the fireworks are, uh, you know, we'll have our annual fireworks tomorrow night and stuff. And it's a, it's usually a good, good event, but I've seen a lot of positive changes for the little things that previous administrations would ignore, like the eyesores of getting off the highway. And there's like a rundown hotel that was up to no good. And we, we removed that, you know, there's a lot of, uh, um, a lot of, the cosmetic changes that makes it more appealing to for businesses to want to be a part of your community and help it thrive, you know, right. and people yeah. to want to move there and, and raise their families there and stuff. So, uh, you know, definitely good luck with, uh, with your, uh, campaign and, uh, you know, um, hopefully this gets out to people and <laughs> there you go. Nice. <laughs> I don't know if you can read that or not. It says more of the same or ready for change. <laughs> <laughs> That's my little motto. Uh, uh, but, you know, the, our uh, government here in our hometown, you know, it's just that, you know, good old boy network yeah. mentality. You know, they stick together. Yeah. But sticking together all these years with that group that we've had up there, they've just really not made a lot of positive changes here in Harrisburg. So they need somebody, they need to think outside the box Yep. and bring in somebody that can bring a different perspective to it. Yeah, and, uh, and work together. If you really want the community to succeed, there's some people that are just happy with they have their position and they're like a shop vac, just milking the city's resources for their own benefits, you know? Yeah, they need, they need something different. And I'm the most different one that's running. <laughs> <laughs> Vote for the most different one. Vote for me. I'm not like them. <laughs> well, yeah, Joe, I really wish you the best with, with all that. Um, I hope, uh, you know, uh, that uh, it, it uh, you know, work. hopefully next time I, 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 I talk with you after November, you know, we, we got, uh, you know, mayor elect or whatever it is, like mayor select, like chief. When you, oh, Yeah. Made sure you uh, you're on the board. Yep. Let a chief run the town. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then uh, before I get ready and wrap up and let you go, I want to ask you a couple of questions I normally ask the guests I have on. Um, big music fan. Is there like a a particular song that you feel has been an inspiration for you in life? That's a go to when uh. You know, you need an extra pick me up. <laughs> well, I can't uh, pinpoint any particular song, but I start at, 
if I listen to some Rob Zombie, I start getting pretty motivated and ready to jog down the street. You know, I get uh, that's some pretty upbeat music. That'd be great. Believe it or not. <laughs> yeah. That uh, was actually my, on my MP3 player that I had when I was still in the, in the Navy. Uh, I listened to a lot of Rob Zombie and that uh, type of music get me running a little faster. I felt like it was anyway, just motivated me. (laughs) Well, that's great. Rob, if you're listening, you know, uh, at her victory party, we want a Rob Zombie concert. (laughs) Oh my gosh. That would be amazing. (laughs) That would be amazing. (laughs) (laughs) And then uh, who are three people who've inspired you or you can credit for making you the person you are today? Other than the just my family, the people in my family, that's what keeps me going. My husband, my kids, they're all wonderful people and they uh, keep me going. Nice. And then any message that you have for our brothers and sisters currently serving overseas? Just do it well. Make a difference. Amen. Well, Joe, thank you so much for your time. It was good to, uh, I know we had talked about this even before uh, the reunion. Uh, It was great seeing you, meeting your husband and uh, reconnecting with everybody from our our, uh, time at at, uh, AJ. And, uh, um, you know, I wish you the best and and, uh, best of luck and, and, you know, show those good old boys how things are done there in Harrodsburg. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. All right. Thank you so much. And and go enjoy your husband's birthday now. <laughs> oh, yeah. Today's my husband's birthday. <laughs> thank happy you. Birthday. And, I'll, and I'll tell him that you said happy birthday. Thank All you right. for doing it. All right. You have a All great right. day. Hey, baby. This is Double D, also known as Dream Daddy. And I got to tell y'all something about our new sponsorship here at today's Doggo. And the name is Dream Nutrition. So if you're looking to empower your human vitality, well, then you come to the right place. With over 12 years of combined experience in cannabinoids and terpene products, Dream Nutrition products include CBD oils, patches, proteins, and so much more. The endocannabinoid system is believed to have involvement in regulating physiological and cognitive processes, including the immune system, appetite, pain sensation, mood, memory, and in mediating the pharmacological effects of cannabis. Support this veteran-owned and operated company today, and today's Boondoggle fans will receive 10% 10% off their orders when using the promo code BOONDOG10 at checkout. That's B-O-O-N-D-O-G-10 at checkout. So go to the link. That's dreamnutrition.com forward slash discount forward slash BOONDOG10. And remember, dream is not spelled like dream daddy. It's spelled D-R-E-E-M. And start saving today because you deserve to feel your best. And you know that's right. 
so tell them Dream Daddy and your friends from today's Boondoggle sent you. Thank you for listening once again to today's Boondoggle radio show. Please be sure to check out our website, DomainCLE.com or Boondoggle.com for more shows and check out our archives. Follow us on social media at Today's Boondoggle on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter for more information about this podcast. And please support us on www.anchor.fm forward slash Today's Boondoggle as well as on our GoFundMe and Venmo. Be sure to subscribe, comment, download, and listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spreaker, and all the other podcast platforms out there. Please email us with any questions, suggestions, and comments via todaysboondoggle at gmail.com. Leave us some five-star reviews and help spread the word. Thanks again for listening. Thank you for tuning into this week's Today's Boondoggle. Domain Cleveland Entertainment is a veteran-owned and operated cornucopia of nonsensical shenanigans. You can find interesting interviews, music news and information, and just about everything else in between. Thank you again for supporting, sharing, and tuning into Today's Boondoggle. <laughs>